Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome back to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. On this week's show, we're continuing our discussion of patient-centered medical homes. What are these patient-centered medical homes? Well, they're a way of getting better medical care at a lower price. Companies, knowing what it takes to be efficient in their own worlds, want to see medical care become more efficient and higher quality, and knowing that how we pay for healthcare affects how healthcare is delivered, has decided, well, we're going to pay for better quality uh, and we're going to get lower, uh, lower prices by keeping our employees healthier. To discuss this with us, we have back Dr. Paul Grundy. He's Global Director at IBM Healthcare Transformation, current president of the Patient Centered Primary Care Collaborative. He's a huge proponent of patient-centered medical homes. Paul, thank you so much um, for coming back today. At the conclusion of last week's show, you were telling us about the no-brainer, about how we can get better quality, lower price, keep people healthier. Um, let's talk more about that. You know, when, you, when you talk about the number of years lived past 40, when you talk about these employees having 30% less heart attacks, is it really the medical care, or is it their behavior or some sort of more global aspect of their lifestyle that's so, changing? So, and, and, and does the medical system within the patient-centered home actually have an impact on people's behaviors? So, so the delivery system actually has an impact on whether, or not, on whether or not you have a delivery system that adds value. So that article, which was in the October issue of Health Affairs, points out very clearly that the reason why we're dead last at twice the price is the delivery system that failed us. And the reason why they choose that number of uh, 15 years from 40 on is because that's, that's the best indicator of whether the delivery system works or not. It, it eliminates infant mortality, eliminates all those other factors um, that, that become confounding variables on, on what you just described. Right, it's not eliminating obesity and, and alcohol but, abuse and... But, but, but that's, that's, that's an issue in, in France, that's an issue in the U.K., that's an issue in Denmark. I mean, you know, you, you have a population from 40, 15 years on that you're comparing to these countries, and, and, and why are we dead last or twice the price? And, and the article explains that in quite some detail, um, and it's great for your readers to look at that because it's a very interesting article, but, but it's clearly the fault of the delivery system. It's clearly the focus that we've had on the delivery system that's failed us. Um, 
and failed our economy. <clears throat> well, if this is such a good system, and if our employers who are the buyers of health care um, desperately need change, is change happening? It's happening, and it's happening very, very rapidly. I would never have guessed it would have happened as rapidly as it has. It's become the standard of care in the DOD. I mean, this is all since we rolled this concept out as a group of employers. It's become the standard of practice in the VA. I mean, both of those huge institutions are well underway. Um, you know, I just read in the newspaper last week where the last of the clinics for Kaiser in Hawaii, which is half the delivery system there, has stepped up to medical home. They've already had an integrated system, but now they have a much more a much more um, patient-centered delivery system. And, and what exactly does this look like? As it, the, the, the idea of this is still ambiguous in my mind. So, so Hawaii has stepped up to um, patient-centered home. Um, I saw in one of your presentations that Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan showed some terrific results having stepped it's, it's up to this. fantastic in Michigan. Yeah. So what exactly has changed in those systems? What, what so, would so patients here's, here's perceive? What it looks like. Here's what it looks like from the standpoint of the patient. So what it looks like from the standpoint of the patient is that, is that my employees that are lucky enough to have this have much better access. And that access includes after hours, includes same day, it includes an email, it includes access by phone, it includes feeling like they're really connected with their doctor. It, 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 it provides, it provides a, a sense of, of um, enhanced communication. My employees would say to you that they love their doc, but they hate the way their doc communicates. In fact, the numbers for communication scores is in the teens. In a medical home, it goes up into the 80s. So this is on so, a scale of, of 0 to 100? On a scale of 0 to 100. That the so, average communication is down in the teens? In, in, some... in the teens, right. Huh. I mean, you know, this, and these are people who say, I like my doc, right? But, you know, I'm not happy with how I can communicate with his practice or her practice. So you see, in North Carolina, for example, from the patient's standpoint, um, Javier's practice, a pediatrician in Florida, you see much better follow-up and follow-through um, resulting in a 44% reduction in hospitalization for asthmatics. Why? Because, you know, the patients are taking their drugs, right? There's adherence, there's compliance, there's follow-up, there's follow-through. There's, there's a sense of, you know, somebody who's helping you coordinate a very complex issue in your life rather than, you know, somebody who's seeing me for a 15-minute appointment and gets paid no matter if I do well or not. Right? So, so, you know, you see... You see tighter control of chronic diseases, um, resulting in lower necessity to, to use hospital beds for what should be ambulatory-sensitive conditions. You, because there's better communication and follow-up and follow-through, you know, you see much less necessity to show up in the middle of the night with a merger. I mean, 26% of my employees could access their primary care provider in a non-medical home environment after hours. I mean, that's the worst in the world. And then and under medical home, it's 100% or? Yeah, it should be. Certainly is in Denmark. Everybody can get a hold of their doc anytime they want to. 
structuring the practice to do that, right? It's paying to do that. One of the things uh, that I've wondered about the cause of this mess that we're in, something you alluded to very early on is that uh, you were talking about getting the buyers and providers together. Um, you didn't mention the users. How much of the problem derived from the user not being the buyer? Can we really set up a system in which the user is separate from the buyer and make it work? Frankly speaking, there's no system in the world where the user is the buyer. I, I don't know of any. Do you know of any? I mean, you know, th there are elements of, of what you buy in healthcare in which the user is the buyer. The copay. Radio keratotomy, right? Cosmetic dermatology. There you go. I, some people would say that cosmetic services are e efficient, that, uh, you know, the doctors are competing, they provide access, they uh, compete on price, that, uh, that, that may be a, a model of efficiency. Absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, the, when you look, when you compare, you know, stapectomies uh, for middle ear procedures uh, and radial keratotomies, I mean, stapectomies have just continued to go up in price and radial keratotomies have gone down in price. And one issue that I would say around that is that, is that there is no response at all to the free market when, you know, with stapectomies. It's, it's, it's a ruck-driven system. It's a relative value unit, you know, um, where... Where you take what it, what it what you figure out it costs you, and only three doctors could do it in the world, mm -hmm. and you just keep adding to it every year, right? Yep. Um, but but I'm but I'm here to tell you that there isn't a system in the world that doesn't consider healthcare, like education and other public services, to be a public service, to be something that you know something that a citizen should have access to, whether or not. You know they're 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 wealthy or or poor, right? So uh, the idea so, so that's of a societal um, issue that has to be sorted out, and we're not going to sort it out on this interview. But but you know that's that's you know. Is there any role for one of these um, healthcare savings plans with high deductibles to be combined with a patient-centered home? Uh, it certainly could be, um, but it has to be structured um, in a way that the benefit design would reward the kind of behavior that you would want the patient to do and not the reverse of it, right? I mean, if you have a high deductible plan in which, you know, the system is that, you know, no matter what it is you get out of the healthcare system, you know, you're going to have to spend $10,000 of your own money before, you know, we pay for anything. You're not going to get the basic primary care services and preventive services that you need, right? If you structure it in a way that, we do at IBM where we pay first dollar for primary care. We pay first dollar for chronic disease management. Um, you, you know, it rewards those kinds of elements. Then great. Now, if you want to have your knee cleaned out, fine. You can do that. But, you know, you're going to pay the entire price of that, right? Is that how it works within your plan? No, but I'm just, I'm just describing how you, can, how you can set up a benefit design to reward the kinds of things you want to. But if you have a high deductible plan, I was sitting in Grand Junction, Colorado, with, listening to a school board who's done just that. You set up a high deductible plan where, you know, where it's, it's out of your pocket um, for basic primary care services, and, you know, and you want a healthy population that's productive. I mean, it's self-defeating, I and mean, it doesn't help you, right? Because
because, you know, those patients are going to be, if they, particularly if they have to choose between, you know, whether they eat uh, or have their basic primary care services taken care of, I mean, you're not going to have your basic primary care take services taken care of. You're not going to have your chronic disease medicines taken, et cetera. And it's going to be self, self-inflicting self wounds. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Paul, any final um, thoughts on the directions of the future or things that our listeners should do to take an active role in, in the changes that are happening? So what's happening, and it's happening very rapidly, is that because there isn't any other any other proposition out there that, that, that delivers the value that the patients in a medical home is, you, you, have, you have 36 of the Blue Cross Blue Shield plans that have agreed that they're going to roll this out across their entire market. Um, you have Medicaid programs, uh, I would say more than half, uh, that are doing this now. Um, you see the community health centers that are doing this. You've already seen the VA and the DO do, do this. I mean, I would really look for um, the kind of practice for you and your family that will give you access, that will coordinate your care when it needs to be coordinated, that won't let you slip through the cracks when you go into the hospital and come out of the hospital, that will answer your email, that has a registry that will follow and track you and let you know when you need your, you know, your breast examined or your immunizations, just like my cat has. Um, and you ask those kinds of questions, um, you know, from the very day you show up in your office. And you start asking those questions as a, as a consumer um, today with your, with your provider. Are you, are you stepping up to this? Are you going to deliver this? Is the plan that I'm in paying for this? Paul, I, 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 that, that's perfect, and it should be our ending, but I, I have one last question. because um, Please. Uh, you know, as a dermatologist, I, I regularly give patients my cell phone number uh, so that they can get in touch with me and report their progress, uh, call me if they have any questions, they're not sure how to use their medicine. I almost never get called. So in these patient medical homes where, where after-hour services are offered, same-day services, email, phone, this feeling of connectedness, do patients use it, or do patients have better outcomes just because it's there? Patients don't abuse it. Um, I've heard that over and over and over again from the docs. You know, it, patients do not abuse um, accessing care. And, and that's not really my question. It's a good one. Somebody know, might have asked, do they abuse it? I'm wondering whether they use it all or whether their outcomes are better just knowing that they could access it if they wanted to. Do access care when you give them access to care, but they don't abuse it. And, and, and a great example of this, and you're, you should Google this guy and look at it. His name is Dr. Holly, Southeast Texas Medical Associates. I mean, he really has set up this really exciting portal that delivers actionable information to the patients, right? So, so a patient encounter, let's say they're a diabetic, it will have specific information about what you should do, and it's right out there on your secure website. And I see that happening over and over again. So 32% of the encounters now of my employees who go to medical homes are asynchronous. They go online. They see, they see their lab results. They email their doc. They ask questions. Again, they don't abuse it, right? I mean, you know, the docs say they don't abuse it. But it's there for them to do that, and they're actually using it. I was in a practice in Florida, Javier. I was sitting there with a nurse coordinator, 
and uh, and a, a, a mom called with an asthmatic kid, relatively newly diagnosed, and she was just getting on top of, you know, getting empowered around, about using the medications, right? Yes. And, and, and I watched what happened, right? I mean, I watched this, this encounter over the phone between, you know, a, a desperate mom, you know, and, 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 and the nurse coordinator. And, 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 and that's the kind of empowerment that resulted in, you know, this particular practice going from an average of one kid hospitalized a week a few years ago to zero in three years for asthma. They were empowered, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you very much, Steve. It was a, only a pleasure. Dr. Grundy is clearly on to something. Employers are paying for health care. Employers have an incentive to get the price down and to keep their employees healthier. Seeing that patient-centered medical homes work, boy, I think they're going to have a fast transformation and growth in that um, because the employers are going to demand it, as Paul's pointing out. Healthcare consumers, people like you and me, are also in a position to expect and request and maybe even demand these same sorts of services. Why should we settle for less? Um, our doctors want to give us great medical care uh, with modern technologies available to us. We should expect that physicians uh, should be able to communicate with each other seamlessly, that our lab test results, our allergies, our medical histories are available to physicians uh, no matter who we're seeing, that we have somebody who coordinates our care. I mean, as Paul Grundy points out, this is a, a no-brainer. And it should be our expectation for what our care is like. And one of the reasons I started the doctor rating website, uh, doctorscore.com, is so that patients could give their doctors feedback uh, let them know what they were doing right. Let them know what they could do better. Patients generally love their doctors, but it's helpful to be able to have a channel to communicate to doctors, uh, to let them know what's good and, and what could be better. So consider what um, Dr. Grundy has said and what you would like from your physician and let them know. I think this is, um, this is another way that we're going to make an impact on the future. Well, I hope you found this two-part episode with Dr. Grundy enlightening. I'm going to give you links to um, valuable websites uh, that he's referred us to that, with more information on patient-centered medical homes. You'll be able to get those at the Getting Better Healthcare uh, website on webtalkradio.net. I hope you'll join us next time. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.